Before thee let my cry come near, O Lord, true to thy word, teach me before thee. We are thankful that you are able to join us today as Pastor Mark Robinette preaches another sermon at Foundation Church here in Mount Sterling, Ohio. If this message is an encouragement to you, and we pray that it will be, please consider taking the time to go to www.foundationfellowshipchurch.org and let us know. Thank you, and may the Lord richly bless you through His Word. Let my lips thy praise confess, yea, of thy word my tongue would sing, yea, Greetings this first Lord's Day of the new year. Greetings. As we rejoice in the newness of the year, let us be mindful that newness itself is a gift from God. Amen? It teaches us something about Himself. Each day He gives us a brand new start. His mercies, what does the Bible tell us? They're new how often? Isn't that amazing? I wish... I wish we were like that, that our mercies were new every morning, that if we had all we could take of, of that certain sister in the back row, and she just worn us out, and she just treated us bad, that this day we could say, you know what? Our, brand new. All right, let's start all over again. Every seven days, we are given a new week, and every month, we are given a new moon, a new month to serve the Lord. And today, on this first day of the week, first day of the new year, we are reminded of the great miracle God has given us. He says, and we will talk about this later, Behold, remember what he said in Revelation 21 as the book is coming to a close, Behold, I have made all things new. Our call to worship comes from Psalm 96 and the psalmist said, Oh, sing unto the Lord a new song. Sing unto the Lord all the earth. Sing unto the Lord and bless His name and show forth His salvation from day to day. Declare His glory among the heathen, His wonders among the people. For the Lord is great and greatly to be praised. He is to be feared above all gods, and for all the gods of the nations are idols. But the Lord, <laughs> He has made the heavens. Honor and majesty are before Him. Strength and beauty are in His sanctuary. Give unto the Lord, O ye kindreds of the people. Give unto the Lord glory and strength. Give unto the Lord glory due to His name. And bring an offering and come into His courts. Worship the Lord in the beauty of holiness. And fear before Him all the earth. Say among the heathen that the Lord reigneth. The world also shall be established that it shall not be moved. He shall judge the people righteously and let the heavens rejoice. And let the earth be glad. Let the sea roar in the fullness thereof. Let the field be joyful in all that is therein. And then shall all the trees of the wood rejoice. Before the Lord, for He cometh. He cometh to judge the earth. And He shall judge the world in righteousness. And the people with His truth. 
Can we say thanks be to God? Let us pray. Heavenly Father, you are so good to us. We are so humbled by the fact that you have once again invited us to the great feast. We realize that in the parable that you told that we are the blind and the halt and the maimed that have been in the highways and the byways and you have compelled us to come in that your house might be full. Lord, we come before you not in uh, view of ourselves as the best people, but we are the people you have invited and that makes us the right people. Lord, we pray, Lord, that you would use our weakness, Lord, to perfect your strength in us. Lord, that you would forgive us of our sins. Lord, that you would feed us from heaven and change us, Lord, that we might be salt and light in the world. In Jesus' name we pray. And all the church said, Amen. Amen. Praise Father, Son, and Holy Ghost. Amen. Please remain standing for just a little bit. As I read for you my text today, um, my goal is to cast a little bit of a vision for us of what 2017 is going to be like and how we can glorify God in it. My text is from Revelation chapter 21, uh, verses 1 through 7. Revelation 21, starting in verse 1, says, And I saw a new heaven and a new earth. Everybody say, new heaven and new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth were passed away, and there was no more sea. And I, John, saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, everybody say the new Jerusalem, Jerusalem. coming down from God out of heaven, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a great voice out of heaven saying, Behold, the tabernacle of God is with men, and he will dwell with them, and they shall be his people, and God himself shall be with them and be their God. And God shall wipe away all tears from their eyes, and there shall be no more death, neither sorrow, nor crying, neither shall there be any more pain, for the former things are passed away. And he that sat upon the throne said this, Behold, I make all things new. And he said unto me, Write these words, they are faithful and true. He said unto me, It is done, I am Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the ending. I will give unto him that is a thirst of the fountain of the water of life freely. He that overcometh shall inherit all things, and I will be his God, and he shall be my people. Let us pray. Lord, we long to hear from you, and I pray, Lord, as I proclaim your word and uh, preach today, Lord, that you would speak to your people, that you would speak to me, that I would hear your voice, that we would indeed know what it is that you would have us to do today. In Christ's name we pray, and all the church said amen. Amen. You may be seated. Here we're starting our new year at the end of the book of Revelation. I think it's, there's a little bit of irony in it, but the scripture tells us that without a vision, the people perish. If you don't know where you're going, you really don't know how to get there. And if in your mind where you're going is the world's just going to get worse and things are going to get bad and it's not going to work out and God's going to lose and in the end it'll all, whatever. If that's your view, the way that you work today will be deeply affected. Amen? 
Now here we are in a book of types and figures, a book of vision and revelation, seen by so many today as a book that cannot be understood. We must cast off that way of thinking uh, for the book's own description of itself. What did Jesus say it was? The book of Revelation is the revelation. Everybody say revelation. revelation. It's the revelation of Jesus Christ. It's a revealing and an unveiling. It is not a veiling or a covering. And unclouding is what has been seen through the darkened glass of understanding. You see, the plan of God from the beginning of the world was hidden up until this point, And now it was made plain. Here at the back of the book, as we say, we learn what all the earth has never understood. Yes, Adam and Eve sinned. Yes, darkness, sin, and death filled the earth. Yes, violent superstition and greed and the love of power over others ruled for thousands of years. But this time has come to an end. You see, all the things that the psalmist kept wondering, how long will you wait, Lord? How long? That time's over. God isn't waiting anymore. He has come. The time has come. Christ, the second Adam, has come. Man has a new start. And this time, he will not fail. Because Jesus never fails. Everybody say, Jesus never fails. The second Eve, the church, the lovely bride of Christ, will not fail. Because Jesus never fails. Everybody say, Jesus never fails. Eve failed. Adam failed. You failed. I'll fail. But the church that you are a part of today, the church of Jesus Christ, will not fail. Jesus isn't going to fail. Christ, His seed, will not be a warrior people whose might will supplant the inhabitants of the new promised land. He's not called us into America to pull out our guns and and get armored vehicles and to root out the ungodly from their uh, habitations. He's called us to do something very different. The Bible tells us, as we read in Matthew chapter 5, that it will be the meek that will inherit the new earth. It will be the peacemakers who will be called the children of God, not those with the strongest arms, the biggest bank accounts, or the most impressive weaponry. This kingdom where only Christ reigns will be a kingdom of law and order, a kingdom of justice, but justice with mercy. It will be a kingdom where the commands of the king will be obeyed and where the spirit of life makes alive all that was dead. Those who expect this kingdom to be ushered in with suddenness, by force, or through the might of men of renown will miss it as those who missed it in first century Jerusalem. They were expecting one thing to happen. They were ready for it. They were putting down their palm branches, Jason. They were ready. All right, it's time to cast off the bands of these Romans and let's show them who is in charge here. But that's not what Jesus did. He came in meek and lowly, riding on an ass, on the, uh, an unridden animal, and came there humbly. And when he rode in there, they rejected him because he was not the warrior king that they wanted. And instead, he didn't come to show forth his power and his might, but he came that in his own weakness, his, God's strength would be made perfect. That in his mortality and his humanity that was present, he would meet death face to face, and he would conquer it even as a man, the the God-man. The coup has already occurred. One by one in time, the kingdoms of this world are becoming and will become the kingdom of our Christ. Mankind will live to see all the enemies of his kingdom put under his feet in the kingdoms that Satan offered our Lord. 
will be given to him as an inheritance, as it says in Psalm chapter 2. What did he say? Ask of me, and I will give thee the kingdoms. I will give thee the heathen, right, for thine inheritance. As the Lord taught his disciples to pray, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. The kingdom comes each day that we submit our, to our king's words, to his commands, when we follow his example. We learned earlier this year, year, and we will continue to learn as we continue through the life of Christ, what, what this means. We are to be those poor in spirit that we just heard about from Matthew chapter 5. Blessed are the poor. Everybody say, blessed are the poor in spirit. For theirs is the kingdom of heaven. How many, want, how, how many want the kingdom of heaven to be yours? I do. Well, the road to that is to be poor in spirit. You might go, oh, what a horrible New Year's resolution. What a horrible way to face the year. Oh, woe is me. Being poor in spirit is not woe is me. Being poor in spirit is being woe is me, but <laughs> woe is me, but you, you better understand that Jesus is king. Uh, humble as I am, as weak as I am, as empty as I am, whatever is in my hand, God will use. You see, Moses, uh, that, was, that was what happened to him. Here he was standing at the Red Sea, right? What's in your hand? Happened to be, happened to be a dead piece of wood in his hand. What's in your hand? That's all. That's okay. That's what you got. All right. Stretch that forth. God was like, oh, the miracle rods here. I can really get something done. Nope. It was a dead piece of wood in his hand that God used. And, and maybe that's all you have. Maybe you just have a piece of firewood. I don't know what you've got. But what God's going to do doesn't depend on what you have. He will take whatever you have and he will do his holy will. Blessed are they that mourn, for they shall be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Do you want to inherit the earth? Everybody say, I want to inherit the earth. So now we've been told the poor in spirit get the kingdom of heaven and the meek inherit the earth. God is telling us here, this isn't my message I'm trying to bring across to you. It's the message of scripture. It will not be the proud, the arrogant, the strong. It will not be by might. It will not be by power. But as it was said of the prophet, it said, It is not by might, not by power, but by my spirit, saith the Lord. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Blessed are they that do hunger and thirst after righteousness, for they shall be filled. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall obtain mercy. How many want some mercy? How many are you ready to be merciful? How many of you say, oh God, make me like you. I want my mercies new every morning. I want to be poor in spirit. I want to be meek and I want to be merciful. These don't sound like very powerful things, do they? They don't sound, could you imagine going up to the Roman army and going, let me tell you how we're going to take care of you. You with all of your armor and your shields and your iron uh, swords and your chariots and your horses and your battering rams and your weapons of war. We're going to deal with you how? By being poor in spirit. We're going to deal with you by being meek. We're going to deal with you by being merciful. Oh no, they would say, no mercy! And they would pull out their swords and they would say, we're going to win. And they were going to trod down God, but you can't trod God down. You see, this thing that seems to be weak is the most powerful thing on earth. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. People make fun of the pure in heart today. Oh well, they're, they're naive. They don't understand how the world really works. 
God says, blessed are the pure in heart for they, how many want to see God? I want to see God. Blessed are the pure in heart. You know, when you're pure in heart and when you ask God to say, you know what? I don't care about all the world's doing and all they're thinking and how they're living. I just want to know about, they may make fun of you and your kids may be naive and they may not know everything everyone in the world knows or think like them and the world say, but you know what? My children, they want to, you know what they're looking at? They're looking at God. They're looking at the world in the context that Jesus is Lord. He's the King of all. How many want to be called the children of God? Everybody say, I do. The Bible says, blessed are the peacemakers. I mean, could you imagine going to the Romans and going, okay, we're going to be peacemakers. We're going to be merciful. We're going to be poor in spirit. And, and, and that's what we're going to do. And they would look at you and they would laugh. Blessed are the persecuted. They that are persecuted for righteousness sake. How many want the kingdom of heaven to be yours? I'll ask you again. Blessed are they which are persecuted for righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are ye when men shall revile you and persecute you. How many want to be blessed like that? Want to be reviled? Want to be persecuted? Want to be treated bad? But Jesus said, if you are, you're blessed. Rejoice and be exceeding glad, for great is your reward in heaven. For so persecuted they the prophets which are before you. You're the salt of the earth. You're the light of the world, he says. Let your light so shine before men. And then he says, do you know how you let your light shine before men? Do you know how you turn the light on in the world? Do you know how you change everything? you know how Foundation Church is going to turn the light on? Is going to be the salt, going to be the light? He said, let me tell you how. You don't want to be salt, you want to be light? He said, obey my commands. He said, whosoever shall break the least of these my commandments and teach men to do, he shall be called least in the kingdom. I don't want to be least in the kingdom. You might go, I don't care what position I take. This isn't about that. Jesus is saying, if you want to be in the kingdom, you will love my commands and you will obey them. How is your light going to shine? It says in verse 20, he says, your righteousness shall exceed the righteousness of the scribes and the Pharisees. How on earth are we going to do that? That's hard, right? In 2017, you know what we're going to do? We are going to endeavor to have our righteousness exceed the righteousness of the scribes and Pharisees. Isn't that going to be great? We're going to study to be poor in spirit. We're going to try to understand what it is to be meek. We're going to rejoice when we're persecuted. This doesn't sound like a very powerful strategy, Pastor Mark. This doesn't sound like something we could make a logo out of. Josh, could you make a poor in spirit logo for us? Someone like with their head hung down. <laughs> this year our church will be learning the book of Philippians together. We will eat it. We will chew it up. We will infuse all 140 verses into our souls. And we will learn what it is to be poor in spirit. Because if you want to know how to be poor in spirit, you should read the book of Philippians. You see, Paul understood. Here he was as he wrote it in prison. And you might go, it's the last place I want to go. You know, in a little while, uh, in 2017, me and my three children are going to go over there to Myanmar. And you know, every time we've gone, it's been a great time. But what if God decides to put the Robinettes in prison over there? I can tell you right now, I don't want to be there. Because I'd rather be right here. I'd rather be in this pulpit. I'd rather be taking care of my wife. I'd rather be you know, serving this church, but God may deem to put me in a prison just like he did Paul. Could you imagine that? 
Oh, if I could get out of this prison, I could do so much more. I mean, I got to get out of here. But Paul, as he teaches us here in the book of Philippians, he said, you know what? I have all kinds of desires, but you know what I found out? That God can use me in prison. He can use me when I'm not in prison. He can use me when I have resources and he can use me when I can't, when I don't have anything. We're going to memorize it together as a church. We're going to try to live out what God has taught us in it. We're going to pray that the Lord would help us to infuse this into our soul. The book is one I turn to oftentimes when I need encouragement because, you see, Josh, the Philippians, they weren't disappointing Paul. He loved them. He loved them and his desire to get out of prison was so he could be next to them, so he could hold their hands, so he could hug their neck, so he could see their face. But his affliction was so difficult in prison, Corinne, it was so nasty. He said, you know, really, I just want to die. He said, and you know what? To depart and to be with Christ, he said, that would be so much better. He said, but it must be more needful that I live. He said, but here's my confidence. My confidence isn't that I'm going to come to you and I'm going to make all of life better. My confidence is that he that began a good work in you is able to complete it. Dads who are here, you're looking at your children, our kids are all getting older. Do you know who's going to make them godly, Derek? You can try. You can work at it. But it'll be, it'll be God that changes Jacob's heart. And God that changes Abby and Sarah's heart and makes them like him. We, we, be, we, we need to be faithful and we need to do our best. But don't get discouraged. Fathers, this is the work of God. Everybody say, he that began the good work. He's able. He's able. See, God is able to do what you can't do, Tim. I get frustrated. You know, my wife is sick and we don't do family worship and memorize. My kids probably, none of them are going to probably be able to quote the scriptures here in a few days. And for me, that's sad. And not sad because I'm disappointed in my children. But that's our life right now. It's all right. I, I think, well, if I could do it better then my kids would be better and blah, blah, blah. That's not how it works. God looks at you and he says, what do you have? And I go, I got a dead stick. Okay, use that then. He looks at us and he says, what do I have? I I have a sick mother. How are we going to, how are we going to, how are the accusers going to memorize the scripture? We always memorize the scripture. We're the accusers. This year, Lord, how can we do it? We're going to be. And all these things, and we got to take care of our mama and, and all this stuff. You know what? God doesn't require much of us, even in the way of faith. He tells us that our faith, just we just have to have some. You see, it's, it's, it's small things is how God works. Confident in this very thing, he which began a good work is able to complete it under the day of Jesus Christ. Paul says in Philippians 1, he said, I greatly long after you. He said, I pray that your love may abound yet more and more. He's there and he's in prison and he can't be with the Philippians who he loves. And he said, I'm praying for you. And you might go, well, I can't really do anything. I'm sick or my wife's sick or my life's difficult or my, you know, my child is, is going through. And, and you, all I can do is pray. Really? The Apostle Paul was praying. Do you know Jesus prayed? Jesus told us to pray. And we're going to be praying people. We're going to come up against things that we see this year that are going to frighten us. That are going to challenge us. That are going to be difficult for us. And and 
It's not going to be all we can do is pray. We're going to pray. Paul, that's all he could do from his jail cell. But that's what he did. He prayed. I pray that your love may abound yet more and more. He said, I want you to understand in verse 12, he said that the things that's happened to me, he said, they've happened out because this is what it takes for the gospel to go forth. And I don't like it. He didn't, do you think Paul liked to be beaten and stoned and thrown in jail and not having good food? And, you know, he's not able to go to Olive Garden for lunch, you know? He's not able to get unlimited breadsticks at O'Charlie's or whatever, you know, those, those rolls that collapse. You guys ever have those, you know? And, the, and, the, and they're all that butter. Maybe, just the Robinettes do that. Okay, I'm sorry. Uh, Paul said, you know, all of these things I realized, this is what God is doing in me. God is going to have his holy will in your life. And you may go, well, the way that I see it, you know, I, I always meet young people. And young people are saying, you know, I feel like my calling is, is to do something great. God is going to bless me and I'm going to have a lot of money. And then with that money, I'm going to just do great things in the kingdom of God. How many have met young people that this is, this is their goal for their life? Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Uh, I've met some old people like that. In fact, I'm one of them. Okay. Lord, heap upon me the great wealth of this world so I can so selflessly give it away to others while eating Red Lobster and Charlie's as often as I can. Asking for the end, cut it out back. Oh Lord. He said, you know, people preach for a lot of reasons, he said, but he said, I pray now that Christ shall be magnified. I've realized this. He didn't ask for it to be. He said, you don't not realize Christ is going to be magnified in my body, Luke. He said, whether it is by my life or my death. See, that's what being poor in spirit is. You know what? I might get to be the hero that saves the day. Or I might be the hero that wasn't really so heroic and pushed the columns down and died with the heathen in my life or in my death. I was telling the guys up here, I were, you know, Heath was telling a funny story. He's working on his car and the, you guys see his head? He's got the thing on his head. He's working on his car and it's a windy day and it blows and the hood comes down and hits him in the head and his hand is under the hood and the hood locks. The hood shuts. And he's like, he's reaching for his phone, you know, and fortunately he was able to get out. But I'm like, isn't it funny in life? All of a sudden you just think you're working on the car. Next thing you know, you're froze to death out there in the cold or whatever. Who knows, right? Our existence is fragile. We don't know what our story, I was telling him, I fell off a log, thought I broke my back. I'm laying in a ravine one day by myself going, is this it? Is this how it's going to end? This is hysterical, Lord. I thought I had a great story. We don't know what will happen. We don't know that the sickness is going to get better or something is going to change or we're going to get that president that we can be proud of or we don't know any bit of it. But the, but Paul understood that Christ shall be magnified in my body, whether it be by life or by death. He said, for to me to live is Christ and to die is gain. Jonathan, could you imagine that? Could you imagine really thinking that? Like, you know, the very best thing could happen to me is just if I just died. But for me to live, though, it's Christ. I'm living with Christ and to die is gain. He realized that in the weakness and infirmity of his flesh and all that he lacked, that he, he struggled through it all. He said, if I live in the flesh, this is the fruit of my labor. I, I do not get to choose where God uses and how he uses me. He chooses 
He said, I'm in a strait betwixt two, having a desire to depart, to be with Christ, which would be so much better. He goes, but nevertheless, to abide in the flesh is more needful for you. The reason I'm hungry every day in jail, the reason why they're treating me bad, the reason why I can't get out and God won't just let me die in here is for you. Folks, when you understand that God has preserved your life and the things that are happening in your life is for other people, your life can be a whole lot happier. Because I'm telling you, when you try to seek your own, when you try to grasp and you try to get and you try to seek first your own kingdom, let me tell you what, your kingdom is a kingdom that will fall just like the kingdoms of the world. But as we read, as Brother Derek read for today, if we, he said, you know, after all those things the Gentiles seek, Guys, we are not the blind. You see, they are blind. They're groping in the darkness, going after things and what they're going to wear and where they're going to live and, and what they're going to have. And he goes, that, but that's not you. You know better than that. He said, oh, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And all that stuff will be added unto you. God will take care of you. He takes care. And you go, well, you know. How's he going to do it? And, and how's it going to work out? And what's it going to be? And God says, you don't have to worry about that. If I explained it, you'd try to figure it out. You'd try to, you'd have a better way. How many of your kids, you know them, you know what's right for them, but they got a better way. Anybody, anybody have any kids like this? Oh, they know. And you know they don't know, but you couldn't tell them, right? And that's the disparity between you and Patrick. You know? The disparity between us and God is that his thoughts are above our thoughts and his ways are above our ways. They're past finding out. And so we say, whatever you give me, God, that is fit for me. He said, you know what? He said, if you want to fulfill my joy, the Apostle Paul, he's, he's in, in, in chapter 2 now, Philippians. He said, fulfill my joy. He said, be like-minded. Be of one accord. He said, each of you with lowliness of mind, esteem each other's better than themselves. And every man, don't just look at your own stuff, but look at the things of others. I am telling you, Christ calls us to a life that says, you know what? We got a lot of stuff going on at the Robinette household, but what's going on over there? How can we help? What can we do? We can't save them all. We can't fix them all. We can't help them all, but maybe we can do something, right? And so we do what we can. We find a way to help. We find a way to serve. I mean, there should be things in your life that you see in other people's lives that agonize you. And you say to yourself, okay, that can't be that way. I, don't, I, I can't go on anymore knowing that uh, this is going on in this family. I've got to do something. I got to go over and, and that baby that's just crying, I'm going to hold that baby or I'm going to be with them. And, and you know what? I've got more than I need and whatever. I'm telling you, a life focused outward like that, rather than in on our own kingdoms, is the life of the poor in spirit. You see, the poor in spirit says, oh, well, I'll get to the thing I'm doing later. We'll figure that out later. Right now, we're going to do this. He said, let this mind be in you, which was in Christ Jesus. Now, this is where the rubber meets the road in Philippians. And I'm telling you, every time I read it, I just, I, I can't even comprehend it. He said he was in the form of God, right? Equal with God. I mean, is there a higher place than that? Everybody say there's no higher place. So you know what he did? You know what he did, Jason? 
He made himself of no reputation. How many, how many like it if you're, you know what, no one really regards you. They don't really think of you. You know, I mean, Marie, you want to be a good mother, right? Could you imagine if just no one thought you were? Yeah, whatever. They don't notice all the hard work you do. Jesus Christ, God in the flesh, made himself of no reputation. He's a nobody. Now, if Jesus Christ made himself a nobody, and you say, well, how, how, what, what do you even mean? <laughs> he was born where animals sleep and eat. He wasn't heralded with great... Any, no, they didn't even know what was going on. Here he came humbly as a, as a babe into a family of no prominence and importance. He had no uh, right or, or pathway to any throne that, that Israel could give him. He wasn't raised in wealth and ease and comfort. He was raised and in, in, he was nobody. In fact... It, when it came time, they're like, well, oh, he's just one of those Galileans. Or isn't he just one of them? Weird, he's from, could anything good from, happen from a... His dad's just a carpenter. And I don't think you understand what he did. I mean, to be God. I mean, I like to be well thought of, guys. You know, I go in a room and I'm with a bunch of other ministers. And sometimes my pride will say, you know, they, you know, I'm, they should know what I am. I've been serving God for a really long time. I got a few words of wisdom. I, I, I get like this. Could you imagine being Jesus? I think he knows a little more than I do. Does anyone think Jesus may know more than Pastor Mark? I'm certain that I'm a complete blubbering fool. Let this mind be in you which was in Christ who being in the form of God thought it not robbery to be equal to God but made himself of no reputation took upon him the form of a servant. So now not only does he have no reputation, but now he takes on the attitude and the actions of a servant. I've said it many times. I'll say it again. Remember this. If you get treated like a servant and you don't like it, you probably aren't one. You know, it's your time to do the, the thing. You're going to clean this up or you're going to do this thing. And if you're just like, man, I, man, they, those people just think I work for them. You do. If, if as your pastor, uh, in your time of need, I'm over there and I'm doing that, I'm like, man, these people think I'm just, you know, here just for them. I mean, my goodness. I mean, don't they know that I dress up nice on Sunday? Don't they know that I'm important? Don't they know that one day I may write a book or something? I'm telling you, you have an attitude like that. You've missed Christ altogether. He said, Paul said, let this mind be in you. Even though he was equal with God, he, had no, he, he made himself of no reputation. He sought no reputation. He took upon him the form of a servant. Remember when Jesus, before he was going to die, he wrapped a towel around himself and started washing feet? Folks, great men don't do that in this world. I hope Donald Trump is great. I doubt ever he'll be putting a towel around himself and washing anybody's foot. You think he's going to? You got another thing coming. Well, he wouldn't. He can't even say he's sorry, much less do that. Not trying to beat up on old Donald Trump. You see, people think people people want respect. I need just you know. I just need some respect. In fact, we can really treat our children like trash when we demand respect from them. God says they should. God says they should honor us. They should respect us. They should obey us. But you know what? Uh, it also says our wives are to reverence us. But it doesn't say, Luke, when they don't, we should get mad at them because they ought to. We should try to be reverenceable. 
Right? But here's what we do. We're like, well, the Bible says I'm supposed to be reverence. Where's my reverence? The Bible, it's like, it's like little kids. You guys remember this? I'm teaching everybody the way, to, the way to do it is to share your stuff. And one of the little kids responds by walking up to one of my kids and going, I want that. They're like, your dad said, Christian, share. I want that. Let me have it. That's how we respond to God's word. Rather than, rather than sharing our thing, we're going to go up and say, you know, you need to obey God's word and let me have your car. My brother was actually making fun of a Christian girl that came to see him, and, and she's so sweet. And, and uh, Paul had openly said he didn't believe in God and was making a big deal out of it. And, and her heart, what she knew him when we were teenagers, and she goes to his house and she said, God sent me here. And her, her goal was just to come and say, repent. That's really what she came for. And, and I'm with him the other day, and he's making fun of her. He said, you know what I told her? He said, yeah, he said, God told me you were coming. And God told me that you were to give me your BMW that you just drove up in. And he thought that was funny. And it is a little bit funny. But you see, the point here is, is that what God calls us to, you know what? Those things that we have aren't so important. The way people regard us, you know? She could have come and, and, you know, you don't know this young lady, but she could have come and been mad that he didn't respond to certain... God doesn't call us to preach the gospel so people will respond the way you want them to. Amen? I had someone say, hey, I want to be a pastor like you because I want people to respect me. And so, I, I, you know what? You know, you get all that respect from people. So, that's why I want to do the same thing. And I'm thinking, wow, <laughs> you really don't get it. Now, you'll get respect, you'll get reputation. All those things can come to you. But I'm telling you, Jesus made himself of no reputation, took upon him the form of a servant, was made in the likeness of men. Not only was he made in the likeness of men, but he suffered. I mean, it's one thing to be a servant, it's one thing to be lowly, right? But now you have to be a suffering. Not only did he suffer and he died, but he didn't just die, he died the death of a criminal. I mean, does anyone want to go to the funeral of the guy that shot all the people down there in Charleston? You want to be the people showing up at Dylan's funeral? I don't want to go. They took Jesus and they hung him on a cross and they stripped off his clothes. They humiliated, they mocked him and he died. Folks, you think that wasn't hard? And you might go, they all left him. They all left him. He's being crucified as a criminal, publicly humiliated and so were they. That was their follower. That was their... That was their rabbi. Their ra- well. And see, Jesus was showing them the way to conquer the world isn't through gaining. Jesus did not gain anybody's respect. You know what he gained? He gained a death sentence. And that might be just what you do. I can think of so much good that Jesus could have done had he lived. But he did a lot more in his death. Wherefore God has highly exalted him. And you may say, where is this going? Folks, you see, the road to the kingdom coming and God's will being done on earth and heaven, the road for that happening in Christ was for him to die. God has called us, the Bible says, if any man follow me, he must take up his cross and follow me. He that seeks to save his life will do what? Lose it. But he that loses his life for my sake shall find it. The Bible says, because Jesus did this, that every knee will bow, every tongue confess of things in earth and things under the earth, that every tongue shall confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. How many want 
everyone in the world that confessed Jesus as Lord. I do. As you go through the book of Philippians, there are lesson after lesson in it. Paul says in chapter 3, this is something over and over again that I marvel at and I'm called back to. And as we, rem- as we re- memorize this this year, let this be ingrained in our heart. He said, you know, though I might have confidence in the flesh, if any other man thinks that he has uh, a reason, he goes, I have more. Now, I mean, that's a pretty big boast, wouldn't you say? Anybody else has got something to be confident about? You know, I'm the biggest, I'm the strongest, I'm the smartest. I'm the best. I come from the best family. You got something to brag about. Let me tell you what. Everybody say, I more. That's what he's he's saying. I got more. He said, but what things were gained to me, those I counted lost for Christ. This is what being poor in spirit is about. Every good talent you have, everything that you have that, that gives you a reason to be proud. Paul says, that's reason not to be proud of that. That we should count those things lost for Christ. God does this to me, you know. People say, Mark's a sales guy, you know. And I go to do, uh, raise money for Mission of Myanmar. I was telling someone about this the other day. Every time I go to put the sell on somebody for that, you know what happens, Luke? I don't, that doesn't really work. You see, if I approach my work in the kingdom of God coming with my sales guy talents... My sales guy talent can go down. When I was, when I was in Bible school in 1987, we went to what's called the catfish town in New Orleans. And well, actually in Baton Rouge, we went to New Orleans too, but we went to Baton Rouge, a place called catfish town to the bad place. And I could meet lots of people and we could get them to say the sinner's prayer. We'd get a hundred people. I could sell them right then. I could out talk them. I could, oh, and they'd repeat after me and they'd be saved. That's what they were telling me at my Bible school. Now I know that's a bunch of foolishness. You see, that which is born of flesh is flesh. But I'm telling you that what God wrought in your lives, I was telling somebody, we did all this work downtown, but not one of you is really from there. Not one of you. And those Bible studies we had in those houses and those people that we met and those windows that we fixed, not one of those people. Why? Because if they were the people, I would have thought I dug them out of there. And I saved them and I brought them out. But God says, no, how about on your way to do the Bible study, you meet somebody over here or this happens and this happens. And God has shown me over and over again that where I am strong, God will not use me. But where I'm weak, he comes right in there. Why? So the Bible says that no flesh can glory in his presence. That's why I have a hard time in my life. Because I do have some talents and I do have some abilities and I do have some strength. But you see, God's not interested in those. God's not wanting me to do something great so that he can... No, he already did everything great. He said, what things were gained to me? This is Philippians. This is what we're going to memorize this year. The things that are gained to me, I counted lost for Christ. Yea, doubtless I count all things but lost for the excellency of the knowledge of Christ Jesus my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things, and do count them but dung. If you don't know what dung is, you may have stepped in it. And everyone wanted you to get out of the car and wash your shoes, okay? Paul used a dirty word, dung. I count everything that I'm good at and everything that I'm skilled at and everything that people think is great about me. I count it the stinky stuff you don't want to step in. He said, I want to be found in Christ, not having my own righteousness. 
You can try to make your children righteous. You can try to make yourself. You can read these books on how not to sin. And, and you can uh, put locks and bars and cages around your life and, and your children. And you can make them appear to be one thing. I'm telling you right now, that won't work. And you might go, well, I'm going to do it anyway. Well, that's all right. You see, when we are found in Christ having our own righteousness, you know what God thinks about that? He hates it. You see, the righteousness that comes from a move of the Spirit that changes us, He loves that because that's not us. But when I can, you know, whoop my kid enough times to make him appear righteousness, but inside he hates me. And I'm not saying we shouldn't whip our children, but do you understand what I'm saying? There is a difference. Not that we shouldn't discipline our children and protect our children and do all of these things, but we need to understand we do these things because God says so. We don't do them because we don't, it's like we don't baptize our children because we're forgiving their sins. We, we can't do that. We're not doing it because we're saving their souls. We can't do that. But you know what we do? We do it because God says to do it and then God saves them and God washes them and God changes their hearts. You might go, oh, I've done all this, but my kid didn't turn out the way I wanted it to be. Well, you know what? Pray for them. Ask God to help them. Talk to them. Say, confess your sins before the Lord. Cry out to God. God wants to save you, child. Your daddy tried, and I tried to get you to not go to these places and get caught up in this stuff and do this. I love you, but but you know what? God's going to have to change your heart. If ultimately you're just waiting to get out of here, if ultimately you got desires in your heart, you, to look this way isn't impressing God. He sees right who you are. And so God calls us to lead our children to Him so that they might be found in Him, not having the righteousness we have taught them to live, but the righteousness that is birthed in their heart by the power of the Spirit of God. Paul cries out, if my children cry out with this prayer in their heart, I will know that He is at work. He said, oh, that I may know Him. And the power of His resurrection and the fellowship of His sufferings being made conformable unto His death. You might say that sounds like a lot of King James. Paul longed to know the Lord. He was leading the Philippians. Oh, that I may know Him. I believe that's written on my father-in-law's tombstone. We just went to see him just the other day as we were up there. That was his cry, oh, that I might know him. Paul talks about how to do that. He says, forgetting those things which are behind, reaching forth to those things which are before. You see, our church, we're moving forward. It, it may be like the growth of a tree. Well, I've had a tree, Heath, out in my yard, that big maple right in front of my house. And, you know, it's probably been growing, but I can't tell. What God's doing in our life may seem so subtle, may seem so small, but it'll be one sunshine, one rain, uh, one sunshine, one rain, one little growth, whatever. I'm telling you, that is how the kingdom of God advances. I press toward the mark of the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. As you read this, book of Philippians and as you infuse it into your soul this year and as you learn to love it you will see that this is a joyful thing he said rejoice in the Lord always and again I say rejoice let your moderation be known unto all men folks we should not be people of great extremes 
We shouldn't be the holiest people in the room and letting everybody know it. That's not, that's not, the, that's not what Jesus did. Jesus never touted his own holiness. In fact, he pointed out that those that did were most deplorable to him. He asked the question, was the one who saw himself as a wretch, was he better off than the guy who was thanking God he wasn't like the guy over there? God's called us to see ourselves not in light of other people, not to compare ourselves among and say, well, we're, at least we're better than the brownfields. I mean, my goodness. <laughs> God's called us to say, you know what? In the light of Christ, I'm miserable, I'm blind, I'm halt, I'm maimed, I'm a sinner, I'm wretched, oh God. Lord, thank you for inviting me to the feast, for bringing me in. Lord, let me give, let me, let me give my seat to somebody better than me, and it's everybody in the room but me. I'm telling you, that is what being poor in spirit is. He tells us to not worry about anything, and I know we're guilty of this. We worry. We worry because what we are worried that's going to come to pass, somehow we're not going to be able to deal with it. But there's nothing to worry about because, uh, Josh, if God, if you lose your job, if your wife gets sick, if your child breaks its leg, if your car doesn't work, so what? The whole kingdom of God doesn't depend on all that. I was, I'm, I'm thinking about endeavoring this year to write a book about Pastor Dang Tong. And you talk about helping me get some perspective, Josh. He, they put him in jail and he walked in. You guys, anybody remember this story? He goes in there and he gets down on his knees and he prays. And one of the guys comes up to him and says, says, it's not so bad. They feed you here. And he said, you, we get to eat like two or three times a day. And, and Nate Tong goes, oh, he said, I'm not praying because I don't want to be here. He said, I'm thanking God that I'm here and I have a captive audience. And I'm wondering who God has sent me to talk to in this jail. Would be to God we could have that attitude, that state of mind that says, wherever God puts me, whatever he does, if I'm broke down on the side of the road, hey, you know what? God's got an adventure in store for me. I'm really cold or my hand's stuck inside the car here and I'll try to get it open. But if not, maybe God's going to teach me something today. I don't know. We too quickly prophesy our own demise and our future and our own failure and we worry about it as if somehow by our own strength we're going to accomplish something. We are not. If we belong to Him, our future belongs to Him. That's why He says, don't worry about tomorrow. There will be enough bad things that happen tomorrow for you to worry about then. He goes, seek the kingdom today and don't worry about tomorrow. He says, finally, brethren, he says, whatsoever things are true. Everybody say, whatsoever things are true. Repeat after me, whatsoever things are honest. Whatsoever things are just. Whatsoever things are pure. Whatsoever things are lovely. Whatsoever things are of a good report. If there be any virtue... If there be any praise, think on these. You see, the enemy would love to come this year and whisper in your ear about all that someone hasn't done for you and how you're not appreciated and how you don't hold the position that you want and people don't respect you and they don't think you're a good mom or a good parent or they don't like the way I do it this way or that way. Hey, you know what? God has not called our church to do everything the same. I mean, growing up, we all had a Kirby vacuum cleaner, all my relatives, because the same salesman came by, you know. 
God hasn't called you all to have this incredible beard. This is just me. Come on. God hasn't called us all to be, you know, all the things that you are. When I was young, it was amazing to me. I, I, I looked out. I, I was always one of these nature crazy people. And, and one of the things that like, like my mind exploded with is when I saw the African savanna for the first time. And I believe it was like on a wild kingdom with Marlon Perkins. And I'm seeing rhino. And I'm seeing zebra. And I'm seeing lions. And I'm seeing giraffe. And I'm seeing, uh, you know, these water buffalo and elephants. Guys, it, can you think of anything more different from a, you know, from a giraffe and a gazelle. They're, they're, they're very different, right? And then you have these, you know, hippopotamus. And I'm thinking, all in this exact same spot are the weirdest looking things I've ever seen that certainly are not related to each other in any way, even though, you know, evolutionists tell us we all, you know, came from a flea somewhere, right? I'm looking at this and I'm thinking, God is speaking to us in the fact that there's an animal that has a neck so long he can eat out of the treetops. And there's a gigantic animal with one horn in the middle of its nose made from hair who's got a square bottom mouth made to eat the grass. God, what on earth are you trying to tell me? He eats the same thing that the zebra eats. But yet he's gray and he's covered in armor and he has a, a, a horn that can you know, pierce through a truck. And he eats the same thing as the gazelle. Isn't that amazing? You see, God's raising up uh, Ratliffs and Chapmans and Goldsmiths. And the way they do things and the way we do things should not all be exactly the same. It's all right. God wants to bring out, you know, the, the enemy has stolen this word diversity, you know. And what it means, you know, you know what it means to them. But folks, we're different. And Paul made it clear to us that our differences are good things. That the ear cannot be the eye. That the eye is not the mouth. That the hand cannot be the foot. And can the hand go, because I'm the hand, I'm really not part of the body. The, what, what is the hand without a body? Nobody like, oh, look at this. I, I found in my drawer the other day a hand. This is going to come in handy. If it's not attached to a body, it's worthless. It's pointless. You may go, well, I have talents and skills that are not being... What? Then get in the body. Lose yourselves in service and love. Seek first the kingdom of God. Let God use what's different about you and your family and, and how you're approaching things. Let it enrich the body of Christ. Don't sit up and let the enemy go, well, they think you're not doing it the way we're doing it and they don't like you. And, and you know, the Bible tells us that the devil is a divider and he comes in our ears and he wants to divide us lest perchance we'd be a body. And we need each other, guys. The Robinettes need you. The Cusels need you. Montgomery, it's just because you're part of the Air Force or Navy or whatever in the world you're part of, right? I know you're in the Navy. But just because you got to move or whatever one day, right? That doesn't mean you can't just say, well, this is where I am. I want, man, I love those Montgomerys, you know. Do you know, well, I won't get into the Montgomery. I love you guys. And I'm so thankful the, the better I get to know you guys, I feel that way. And God is saying, you know what? We don't know what tomorrow. We don't know what next month. We don't know next year. We don't know if we're going to live that long. We don't know. So today God is calling us to drink deep from one another. 
to wade in, not just ankle deep, but all the way in into swimming waters with God. To lose ourselves in the, in the ocean of His goodness and to just become part of Him. As Paul is winding up the book of Philippians, he says, and I've said this a couple times, so it's good that I, we can read it straight from it. He said, I have learned in whatsoever state I am therewith to be content. This is so hard for us. We look at others and we compare ourselves. But God says not to do that. I mean, could you imagine being a foot going, you know what, if I, my fingers are only this long. He's looking at the hand. He's playing the piano. I mean, seriously. I never get to do that. I mean, maybe when I grow up, maybe my toes will, you know, maybe, you know, you're a foot. My toes will get long enough and maybe I'll be able to play prelude in E minor, you know. You see, the body doesn't, the foot should not envy the hand. But the devil will, that's what he'll do. He'll go, you know what, I mean, look at those fingers. I mean, watch them move. You know, he really thinks he's something. One day, my, th- one day these toes are going to get long and we'll shave the hair off of them and, and they'll be beautiful. <laughs> you see, the devil is a liar. And he, and he wants to make us believe that we all have to be the same. And we all have to have the same gifts and the same talents. And that we all need to have the same honor. You know the Bible says there are parts of your body nobody sees. That nobody knows. Some of them are not very comely. Some of them are kind of ugly. Some of them you want to kind of hide. Right? Everybody say, right. We don't want de- We're hoping pastor stops right there, right? Please don't make an example. Please, pastor, please move on. But if that is the same in a body, it's the same in a church. Not everybody is called to the same things. And in 2017 and 18 and all the rest of the years, we need to understand that our unique giftings are not for us to go, well, you know, I really want to be this. You are what you are. Embrace it. Love it. Find your place. Find your way to serve. Find somebody in this church you can serve. Find a way to serve one another. It is the church that is the kingdom of God that is coming. This new Jerusalem that is in twenty-one Revelation 21 coming down. Folks, that's you and me. So we have a new earth with no ocean. Folks, this is a book of types and pictures. That would be bad if we didn't have an ocean, don't you think? Don't you think an ocean might be important for the earth? Think our weather would change, you know? You see, the water always represented the heathen. There will be a day when the people of God fill the earth. You see, the water divides people. We could get into it all, I could go the whole thing. But it divides people and it separates people and it represents the ungodly. Because it seems like they cover the whole earth, do they not? But there will be a day when the Bible says the knowledge of the Lord will cover the earth as what? As the waters cover the ocean. Right? He said, I've known how to be abased. I know how to abound everywhere in all things. I am instructed both to be full and to be hungry, to abound and to suffer need. Everybody say this with me. I can do all things through Christ which strengthens me. That's what, that's what the apostle tells us. He says in verse 19, My God shall supply all of your need according to His riches and glory by Christ Jesus. As we study the book of Philippians this year, as we make it ours, as we study this year to be poor in spirit, 
to be meek, to be hungry, to understand persecution, that life, that death, that difficulty, that maybe that thing we're praying and hoping and wanting so much doesn't happen. That's all right. I want out of jail. I want out of jail. No, you don't get out of jail. You just get to sit in there and write books. Write these letters. See, he didn't know they were books. They're just letters. I can't get out. I, gotta, I want to talk to him so bad, I'm just going to write them down. And as a result, we're going to memorize that, that jail sale letter. 140 verses. Just a little letter from, a, from jail. But he, he wrote the word of God. We have no idea what God is doing. Had Paul understood that the letters he wrote from jail would be the letters that we read today that are 100% inspired by the Holy Spirit of God, he would have been happier in jail, don't you think? And something makes me know from when I read Philippians that he understood that he was being used by God no matter what he was doing. Let us pray today. Heavenly Father, we love you. We thank you for your goodness, your kindness, your mercy, your direction. Lord, we have a vision. Lord, we don't believe that it's just going to get worse. We believe it's going to get better. We don't believe that your kingdom will not come. We believe it will come. We do not believe that your will will not be done on earth. We believe your will will be done on earth as it is in heaven. We understand that this kingdom will be inherited by the meek and the poor in spirit and and the persecuted. And Lord, we want to be those. As we study the book of Philippians as a church this year, Lord, may we love it. May we understand it. May we adopt it into our hearts and minds. And and may it be a turning point, a, a, a focal point that we look back on as a time when Foundation Church took root and took hold of what it means to be poor in spirit. In Christ's name we pray and all the church said, Amen. Hello, this is Pastor Mark Robinette of Foundation Church. Thank you for taking the opportunity to listen to our audio sermons. We would love to hear from you if you have any comments, questions, or just to let us know how they served you. Go to our website, www.foundationfellowshipchurch.org, and send us a note. Thank you, and it's a pleasure to serve you.